Couldn't have a better time to have them on. Obviously, the Tucker Carlson is front and center, exposing uh, just two weeks ago, or a week and a half ago, with uh, Elon Musk, illegal spying on Twitter users. We know it's happening everywhere by the federal government. Uh, I didn't get him on the day to talk about Tucker. It was the, all the developments in Ukraine and the escalation of nuclear war and, quite frankly, rhetoric out of Medvedev that I don't like. I understand that the West started this is doing it with Medvedev is like, we'll blow up England. Nuclear war is inevitable. Just the point is it's helter skelter level insanity. But Scott, thanks for joining us. You've been under the gun, targeted by the deep state globally as well, just like Julian Assange has. What do you make of this Tucker Carlson situation? Let's get into your latest uh, intel you've got. Well, I think what uh, what happened with Tucker is proof positive that the uh, the mainstream media is not about informing us, not about uh, engendering debate, discussion, and dialogue. It's about business. And uh, Fox News made a business decision. Um, Tucker Carlson, uh, you know, I, I, you know, is somebody who is controversial on some issues. Um, somebody who has uh, attracted a lot of attention uh, for things he has said and things he has done. Um, you know, and, and, and nobody's perfect, uh, but I, I think Tucker was uh, was getting a little was tacking too close to the truth, um, putting out information that um, that made uh, the establishment quite uncomfortable. And because Fox is a, uh, a business, uh, it's not here to uh, inform us. Um, they made a business decision and they uh, they released Tucker and it's. Uh, America's worse for it. Um, I'm not the biggest Tucker Carlson fan in the world. We have a history. Um, uh, we we did repair uh, our, our we we did mend our bridges, so to speak. And um, I, I I enjoyed uh, listening to what he had to say. I, I found him uh, to be uh, a fresh voice of uh, of reason on many issues. A voice that was would otherwise be missing, and now it's gone. I, I certainly hope that Tucker can find a uh, a, a platform appropriate to the. Uh, you know, to the the importance of the messages that he's uh, that he's bringing. Well, Scott, to the I think that's people. perfectly said. He attacked you. I remember it said things that weren't accurate. He attacked me. He apologized me ten years ago, and you know, since then he really woke up. He was naive in his own words, and really didn't realize how corrupt the American Empire was, or even that there was an empire. I just raise it to show that you have AOC this weekend saying we need a federal law to take Tucker and other people off the air. That is so draconian, so dangerous, and I believe it was his stance on the Ukraine war is the reason he was taken off because he was staunchly against that and exposing that. I, I agree hundred percent. I know that there will people who will make, try to make the case that uh, they're removing Tucker because of the um, dominion uh, legal case and, and all that, but that's old news. Uh, that's, that's, that, that's just an excuse. The fact is uh, Tucker was way out ahead of where Fox news as a, a corporation wanted to be on the story of Ukraine uh, by telling the truth, by confronting people with uncomfortable facts. And um, I, I think it was starting to have a business impact on uh, on Fox. As I said, they're not here to help uh, engender a meaningful debate, dialogue, and discussion. They're there to sell ad revenue. And um, Tucker Carlson was, uh, you know, he's highly rated. I think he was the top rated uh, person there. But um, the pressure was put to bear on Fox News, and they've now silenced the voice that, uh, and as you said, uh, he did call up. And he, and he apologized. And we had a very good conversation. And, um, you know, I've been on Team Tucker since then, meaning that I really appreciate what he brings to the table. Oh, so he did that to um, you, too. He did because he, he, he said he was wrong. He said he drank the Kool-Aid to me. Tucker Carlson is a stand-up guy. And how I define a stand-up guy is someone to say, hey, I made a mistake. I recognize that. I'm contacting you. I'm acknowledging that. 
and I want to move on productively. And, uh, and he did that. So, uh, yeah, uh, he's, he's one of the few, one of the few, uh, mainstream journalists who have done that. Well, I think it's important. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cautionary tale, but also a, a good example. We don't want to be enemies of people that are wrong in the system. We want them to wake up and stop World War III and the collapse of the dollar and all the insanity. Quantify for us where we are. Have you got big breaking news on the war front and, and, and how this is escalating? I, I keep telling the American people, you know, there's this um, a bulletin of atomic scientists that put out this uh, doomsday clock. They, they, it's a highly publicized thing. And they, uh, they talk about we're, we're being 90 seconds from midnight. I say you're wrong. We are literally 0.001 milliseconds from midnight. One click of the second hand, and it's all over because we're talking about nuclear war. And right now, we have the two largest nuclear armed powers um, engaged in direct conflict. It's not our troops against theirs, but it's a proxy war where we're putting our money, our intelligence, our equipment in the hands of people that we're training and motivating and encouraging specifically to kill Russians. Um, and the Russians are fighting them not as if it's Ukraine, but they're fighting them as if they're an extension of NATO. And as you said, you have Medvedev making very inflammatory statements. You have other uh, you know, people in the West making inflammatory statements about nuclear weapons. This isn't a joke. This isn't a game. This isn't you know a football match. This is where you get a, you know, you're allowed some sort of artistic creativity. To so let me cut your great train of thought there. You can continue. But how big is it at the former president of Russia? And one of the guys on their National Security Council literally saying, OK, let's just have a nuclear war. I mean, that, that is just insane. And it barely even makes news. We have U.S. senators saying assassinate Putin, strike Russia first. So they're just raising the temperature to what we've already done. This is madness. I think what Medvedev is doing, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I, 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 I'm loath to uh, try and, 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 you know, the old thing where the, the, the spokesperson comes in, what the colonel meant to say. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't want to be, you know, what Medvedev meant to say, but I think what he's doing is he's confronting the West with the absurdity of their position. The United States is saying that we want to help Ukraine attack Russia, that we want to help Ukraine seize Russian territory, um, whereas Russia has a doctrine, a nuclear doctrine that says if there's an existential threat to Russia, Russia can use nuclear weapons to defend it. So what Medvedev is saying is, hey, why don't we just knock out all the middle stuff and go straight to nuclear conflict? Because that appears to be the direction you and the West want. So let's just get it over with. Let's do it. He's calling the bluff. And that's dangerous because um, this is a bluff that can never be called because the moment it is called, the moment somebody pushes that button, it's all over. That's right. It's a game point. of nuclear brinksmanship. You were an American patriot sent to Russia to get deals done. You were the top UN inspector. You were trained to kill Russians. You know, you're American through and through. Describe to people the escalation threat, the escalation ladder here, and why it's so dangerous. How fast do submarines vaporize the east and west coast? How fast, because even if we can vaporize them, it doesn't matter. It's mutually sure destruction. Try to explain to people why you say one second to midnight. Well, right now, both sides have nuclear forces that are um, equipped, prepared, trained, ready to launch nuclear weapons on a moment's notice. Um, and we live in a world where Neither side can afford to absorb a first strike because a first strike by the other side could eliminate our ability to retaliate. And so we have to be leaning forward, looking for any evidence of the other side getting ready to attack. And the idea is if we detect a first strike being launched, we then launch our own so we can get the strike in. This means that one mistake, all we have to do is get it wrong and think that this radar hit that we have, this, this piece of intelligence is 
uh, evidence of a first strike, then we are literally on the clock to launch a retaliation strike. And this is a daily occurrence, ladies and gentlemen. This is some theoretical thing that's going to take place next week, next month, next year. It's happening right now as you speak. We have people monitoring Russia. They're monitoring us, looking for any evidence of that first strike. So when you have people saying irresponsible things like we want to assassinate Putin or Medvedev saying, hey, let's go to nuclear war. Um, that means that there's even heightened alert right now. People are really looking for clues. And when they find that clue, they're going to send that and clue to And then Zelensky fires ballistic missiles into Poland and blames Russia even when it was confirmed it was him. He's crazy enough. He said have nuclear war. What is his problem? Because he seems to be the one driving all this. Who the hell is this guy? Well, he's a man who's operating out of his depth, first of all. He's, uh, he's inadequate to the task of the uh, responsibilities he's been given. Um, and he's the leader of a nation that simply can't win on its own. And uh, we have elevated him. We have pumped Ukraine up to be full of itself as if they are literally the tip of the spear of the weapon that's going to kill Russia. And it's, that's not Zelensky that thinks that. You know, Lloyd Austin, our Secretary of Defense, came back from Kiev last year and said the purpose of America is to inflict pain on Russia right now. We well, let's not forget the new intelligence chief a month ago in Ukraine said, we're going we're gonna to invade Russia and put tanks in Moscow. And that's the end of the world, ladies and gentlemen. The fact that the United States didn't immediately slap him down and say, stop saying stupidity like this. People need to understand that that scenario will never play out. Russia has a thermonuclear arsenal that will destroy the entire yeah, world before that their ever default, happens. I don't mean to keep it wrong, but you're so on target as a former top weapons inspector and expert in nuclear arms. The minute major tanks roll into Russia, Russia hits them with nuclear weapons. That's default position. So explain that to, to Zelensky. Explain it to him. How? How do you explain it to him when you've told when we've told him that he's the most important man in the world? When we allow him at a moment's notice to pick up the phone, call the president, beg for airplanes, beg for tanks, beg for money, and we keep feeding him. He's the spoiled child who's been getting everything he wants, so the spoiled child begins to believe that he is in fact that entitled. When the reality is Zelensky's the greatest threat to international peace and security that exists in the world today because he's starting to believe the rhetoric. He's starting to believe the propaganda that he is empowered by the West to do these things, to retake Crimea, to retake uh, the four former Ukrainian territories that are now part of Russia, and even to speculate about the possibility of sending tanks into Moscow. No sane person would be saying what Zelensky is saying. Well, that's right. And you've been doing this for decade after decade after decade and an expert. I've been studying this for 30 years and feel like a novice. And then I see him, an actor who, you know, is normally dancing around in leather outfits, slapping guys in the ass, nothing against him doing that. But th this, 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 this smells like destruction. I mean, it just, it's crazy. No, it, and this is why, again, Alex, I said we are 0 0.001 millisecond away from midnight. Because this is crazy. And until the American people realize how insane this is, I don't mean, I'm not a fear monger. I, I don't do this for a living. Every American should be scared to death right now. You should wake up every morning thinking this may be the last. No, no, I've been watching you for like 22 years and never heard your rhetoric anywhere near this. No, but this is how scary it is. We are literally on the brink of the abyss. Um, one mistake. And again, when was the last time we had a, a, a senior Russian politician say, what the heck, let's do, not even in the Cold War, did Khrushchev say, let's have, let's do it, baby, throw down, let's have a nuclear war. Nobody has ever said this. The fact that a Russian leader is saying this today 
shows you how far along it's become. It's insane. The fact that we have a senator, Lindsey Graham, talking about assassinating uh, the Russian leader, knowing that if we did that, they would nuke us, just like we would nuke them if they killed our president. We have to stop this irresponsible rhetoric, and we have to find a way to get our politicians to understand. I totally agree. So how did, how did it get this insane when no Russian ever acted like this, no American ever acted like this, and we, we almost still had nuclear war during the Cuban Missile Crisis. How did we get such dis... I guess we have like a lobotomized president. Fetterman can't even talk. Uh, I mean, I guess we have a zombie. Uh, maybe the left wants to commit suicide. I, I don't know. Look, I, I, I'm i somebody who uh, has disagreed with a lot of presidents, but I'm, a, uh, I'm very respectful of the office of the presidency because of the power that uh, it has and what it represents. Um and I, I have to say that I have a history of Joe Biden, and some people might think that what I'm about to say is reflective of the fact that uh, he and I don't get along. But that's not the case. Um, Joe Biden is the biggest threat to the American people because he's totally inadequate to the job. This is a man who is incapable of deep, meaningful thoughts. He came into the presidency with an attitude, uh, and his mind is no longer able to control this attitude, and this attitude is out of control. It's an attitude of confrontation, an attitude that uh, is is about you know dominating the Russians, uh, and it's an attitude that's no longer linked to a brain able to say, hey, enough is enough, I've made my point, let's back off and find a peaceful way out of this. We are literally on you know full automatic autopilot towards a nuclear Armageddon, and we have to find a way get Joe Biden off this track. And, 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 and let's go further on that key point. Explain to them how this works, the National Security Council and the nuclear football. I know there's been many times they brought the football, the president said, you may have to launch. And it was JFK and other presidents, Ronald Reagan, and said, no, let's wait. What if they bring the football to him? Uh, explain that to people. Look, when the football comes up, when, the, when a decision's made, now hopefully this president will be on the phone with critical uh, advisors, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, um, the, the Secretary of State, uh, the Secretary of Defense. Hopefully he'll be communicating. But again, that requires a cognitive ability, that it requires the ability to articulate information. And that's why and presidents get woke up all the time. Sir, we have a radar signal out of southern Russia. It may be a nuke. 2 a.m. He's got to get on the phone. Imagine they wake him up. He'll just say, launch it. I mean, <laughs> well, this is the point is that Joe Biden I believe his cognitive ability is diminished to the point where he will go back to his default position. As I said, his default position is a very aggressive stance, and he no longer has the ability to modulate that, to regulate that. So if you wake Joe Biden up at three in the morning and say, hey, boss, right now we have seven minutes to make a decision to hit the button, or if you don't, weapons can hit us first strike and we lose. Um, He's not going to be able to say, hey, time out. Uh, let me call this guy. Hey, what do we got on the radar? Is this really the deal? What's going on here? No, let's hold off. What pre other presidents have done uh, to, to prevent nuclear Armageddon. I think Joe Biden would basically say, um, launch. And then it's all over. Well, that's right. For those that don't know, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, Lemonster and LeMay, before he fired him, came to Kennedy and said, let's launch. That's what Dr. Strangelove, the movie's about. And he said no. But imagine, do we have Curtis LeMay's and L.L. Lemonster's in the government now? We do, actually. Um, we, we should have people that can contain them. I mean, look, here's the reality of nuclear weapons. If you're going to have them, you have to have hard men and women who are willing to use them. 
or otherwise this is just stupidity, and that's when a person believes nuclear weapons are stupidity. You, you can't have the weapons unless you have men and women. Deterrence means nothing unless you have people that are prepared to use them when ordered to use them. That's why when I said when ordered, we can never allow them to be in the decision-making cycle. They're the ones that are simply going to obey the order. We have to have effective civilian leadership above that that modulates emotion, that, 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 is, that provides the check and balance. And that's the commander-in-chief. That's why voting for a president is the most important thing. It's not about the economy, stupid. I know a lot of people vote the pocketbook. It's about whether or not there's going to be an American car, whether there's going to be a world car. We need a president who is capable of preventing nuclear war, not ordering nuclear war. Wow, and you talk about almost every day there's a case where they get a signature that they think's a launch, whether it's in China or in Pakistan, India, uh, anywhere, and, and all the time. That's why presidents get so old so quick is they're getting woken up they're all the time. Like they're constantly having to step aside and check and make a decision. Uh, talk about that scenario where you're saying almost every day they're having to think something might be a first strike. Well, imagine now you're 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 uh, an American and you, you know you're in your national you're in the national security uh, establishment and you just heard the former Russian president say, "Let's let's let's do nuclear war. Let's do it." So now immediately you're going to send the signal out saying, "Okay, what's the status of all the Russian nuclear weapons? Let's bring our monitoring status the highest level possible. I need you now to report everything you see." Um, that means now we, we call up our own people and say, hey, we, we now are on alert. There, there's a potential of a, a Russian attack. You need to be prepared to act. So everybody now is high strong. And one mistake is made, one you know miscalculation, a photograph is taken that people misinterpret, a missile's launched, it's supposed to have been a test, but wasn't uh, declared as a test, so we don't know what its status is. A flock of birds sends radar going crazy. Uh, a submarine fails to 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 you know to, to announce its location. All of these things get reported in, but now we've raised it to a level where everything has to be treated as a potential nuclear attack, and that's the thing. So one of these things can happen. The president, you know, now will be informed we have an emergency. Then the the advisors are going to come in and start articulating, you know, how do you respond, etc. Let's say the football comes in. Normally, you'll have about 20 to 30 minutes once the football is put in front of you to keep making these phone calls. But if you have a president whose brain is not engaged, who's not clicked in, um, you know, A, either decisions are going to start to be made for him uh, by people that we don't want making these decisions, or this, this person, this individual, isn't going to be asking the right questions. It's just going to jump to a conclusion that is probably wrong. You know, we've been around a long time. When was the last time someone launched a surprise nuclear attack against the United States? And the answer is never. And why? Because it's suicide. It's stupid. So I want a president that is leaning towards this is misinformation. This is a bad piece of intelligence. This isn't right. I'm going to give them time to prove this wrong. I want that kind of leader, not a leader who, because of a lack of cognizant ability, is going to say, I am assuming that this is correct. Therefore, I am going to launch. Let's talk more about that. No one short is riding shotgun. He's got some comments and questions with Scott Ritter here. But everything you're saying is mainline U.S. doctrine. For listeners tuning in, this guy is an expert in nuclear weapons, expert in weapons inspection, former head U.N. inspector, one of the former top guys in the Soviet Union negotiating major treaties with him. So you're hearing the gospel on this. And he's telling you we are one second or even a millisecond from midnight. And, and for people that don't know, 
I don't want to kill the Russians. I don't want to die either. But I'll be honest with you. If the Russians nuked us first, I don't even want to nuke them. And I'm not saying they should nuke us. It just blows up more of their reactors, and then that's more fallout. Everybody loses. That's why it's called mutually assured destruction. Ladies and gentlemen, there's 460 nuclear reactors, big ones, hundreds of other little ones. They'll all break down. They'll all be more radioactive than a nuke. We're all dead if this happens. Someone explain. Even if Russia hit us with a 1,000 nukes, they're all going to be dead from the radiation and the societal collapse, too. So there's no, I mean, that's what people don't get. You nuke Russia, all their plants blow up, we die. We, we They nuke us, they die. It, it, they die in a couple months, but it, there's no, that's why you're saying it's idiocy. And it's why I used to be like, no, listen to the left, they want to get rid of nukes. They'll just secretly keep nukes. No, we got to have a moratorium on biological weapons. We got to have a moratorium on nukes. We got to get rid of them, folks. And I mean, real inspectors get rid of these get rid of them we they have to go you can you can see how society's breaking down I, how iqs are lowering you cannot have this stuff laying around we're gonna we're gonna blow ourselves up i mean it, it's that simple scott ritter stay right there i want to talk about those scenarios with you and what mutually assured destruction is uh but uh wow and i would tell the russians if we're crazy enough to nuke them please don't fire back because it's just we all die anyways just my kids die in three months yours die right away <laughs> the Russians will kind of be lucky. We'll be right back. Stay with us. And I want to be a trillion percent clear. I made the point that if Russia nuked us, we shouldn't respond back. And we nuke Russia, they shouldn't respond back. And Scott Ritter is a former nuke inspector. He agreed with me. We'll talk to him in a moment. We're reconnecting right now on Skype. The Skype was cutting out during the break. If we hit them with 500 average nukes, the nuclear winter, the fallout, the, their reactors melting down would kill us. It might take six months a year, but it, it's like we're, they're the lucky ones dying right away. And he was agreeing during the break on him as an expert to explain that, that there's no winning. It's why it's called mutually assured destruction. But I think Rod Serling back in the 60s of the Twilight Zone, with Planet of the Apes, really boiled it down best. Here it is. Charlton Heston, if you remember, thinks he's on another planet. At the end of the movie, he finds the nuke Statue of Liberty and figures out, no, I'm back home. God. I'm home. All the time. We finally really did it. We're the closest nuclear war ever, as Scott Ritter just said. Now, I want you to jump on any questions you've got. You've been really polite while I've been babbling. You're but listening Scott, to the Freedom Network, broadcasting to Sirius XM Radio, and also across just, the Internet through madness. all web podcasting platforms. I made the point during the break. I asked you if you thought I was right. You got a, a great example and, and agreed, but added some gravitas to it that I don't have. When I say everybody's a loser, whether the Russians nuke us, we nuke them, even if we don't respond back, the reactors blow up. They're even worse than the bombs. You said dead right. Explain that as an expert. Well, I mean, it's not just nuclear reactors. It's all of society. When when we started with um, 
when, when we begin to plan nuclear warfare, the uh, American nuclear planners back in the 60s uh, determined that we could destroy all of the targets we wanted to destroy with 400 uh, nuclear uh, weapons. Um, right now we have 1,550. Um, and so it, it's, it's, it's overkill, but that's what we do for a living in, in nuclear uh, war. Um, and they have a similar amount of weapons. So, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about injecting radioactive material into the atmosphere. We're talking about injecting um, particles in the atmosphere, blocking sunlight, nuclear winter. But society will break down. Uh, electrical, uh, electric producing stations will shut down. Um, and then nuclear power plants um, aren't going to be able to contain uh, the, 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 the fissile material that's, oper- that's, that's there. Uh, they're going to melt down, and we're just going to have continued nuclear disasters. Remember, one Chernobyl, when if Chernobyl had gone critical like people talked about, it just that single nuclear power plant would have taken out half of Europe, half of Russia, uh, and much of the world. There are hundreds of nuclear power plants around the world. These will all go critical, all melt down. So we'll get in addition yeah, there's to 400, the, 457 big ones. We know a lot of secret ones. Yeah, and they'll all go. I mean, the bottom line is if we're lucky, people can scram them, shut them down, et cetera. But if there's a nuclear war, you don't have that opportunity and you lose power, you lose water and the thing just it's going to go critical. So you're 100 percent right, Alex. Uh, this is going to be society shutting down and all the critical infrastructure that requires maintenance, electricity, et cetera, won't be maintained in the case of nuclear weapons. It means that all the, the, I mean, the, the look, at a, look at a two year lockdown almost crippled us. This would be 10,000 times worse. No spare parts, no n- nothing. Absolutely. Uh, look, imagine if you would. I mean, just ask uh, people what, what would happen today if all of your grocery stores cease to exist? All your grocery stores are gone. All your gas stations are gone. You're out in suburbia in your home. And, um, you know, you've got the gas you got in your car. You got the food in your refrigerator, except that you lost electrical power. So unless you have a generator, um, that food's going to go bad. No matter what, in a week, you're you're going to be. And even if you've got stockpiles of stuff like my family does, the hordes of of people looking for food are going to be beyond deadly. If you can't imagine the desperation you would feel fighting for survival. Uh, imagine uh, what, what happens when you not have one, two, three, four, but tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people desperate to survive, uh, and it becomes a kill or be killed world. That's the reality. Civilization will be swept aside in a post-nuclear um, world for anybody who survived. And you mentioned 1960s that's estimates. That's why they decided not to do it. There were plans to hit Russia first or China. They estimated that the aftermath of societal breakdown could not be dealt with. The, the power structure would lose power. So why is our power structure doing something so dangerous? Because they've, they're fools. They're, they're, these are power-hungry people who uh, recognize they, that they're, they're, their niche issue to, to stay in power is the money that gets sent into the nuclear establishment, uh, the nuclear weapons establishment, defense industries, senators who are senators of state, defense industries, congressmen and congresswomen who have uh, defense industries in their respective districts, they stay in power by keeping these defense industries up and running. In order to justify that expenditure, you have to keep the world at a certain level of heightened tension so you can justify the taxpayer while we're spending money. So they're sitting there playing a very dangerous game. They're tuning the world to 
confrontation. They're raising the pain threshold because we have to continue to build the defense budget. We can't just sit here and say status quo because people get bored and we want to reduce. We have to keep and raising now, the level it's of tension. a trillion dollars a year. It's insane. A trillion dollars. Imagine what we could do with a trillion dollars a year. And we're still, by the way, not winning. I mean, we spend a trillion dollars a year and yet we can't win, uh, which tells you that there's a lot of waste, fraud, abuse, corruption in this system. And we need to bring it under control or else there won't be a future. So let me ask you this, Scott Ritter, about. Scott Ritter of ScottRitterExpert.com. Scott, how do we stop this? Well, the first thing we have to do is get better people to represent us in, um, in, in elected office, especially at the highest levels. And we're talking the president of the United States. That's uh, 2024. If we can survive until 2024, if something doesn't happen between now and then, we need to get a different president in, in play. And I'm not going to sit here and I tell like you. I like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He's just as yeah. anti-war as Trump without the baggage. I'm a big fan of RFK Jr. I, I'd love to see him um, to, to make it to the top, but we have to help him. And one of the ways we have to help him is understand this. You and I are having this conversation about nuclear weapons, and it's an important conversation, but it's going to be diluted in many audiences because of what I call Russophobia, not what I call Russophobia. What is Russophobia? It's irrational fear of Russia, where people say, yes, but you have Medvedev saying this, you have Putin doing this, you, and we, we say things. We have to come up with a cure for Russophobia. We need to re-educate ourselves so that we're not irrationally afraid of Russia, and therefore we understand there isn't a need for this continued escalation of, of, of nuclear capacity. And don't we capacity. need to stand right here? I'm going to skip this break. It's so important. Nuclear war is important. Paramount. I'm not defending the Russians or being an apologist. I don't like the rhetoric. They should dial it back. But they have hardliners that are way more aggressive than Medvedev and Putin. I know you're an expert on that. I, 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 am I wrong that if we think Putin's bad, they have no idea that Putin is in more in danger of his hardliners than he is from the West? Vladimir Putin is the best thing in Russia today, and the West better recognize that. He's a rational player. Uh, he wants a peaceful resolution to this. He can be dealt with effectively if we're willing to talk to him. But you're 100% right. If we think Russia will be easier to get along with in a post-Putin environment, you're wrong. Um, and so we need to work with Russia as it exists today, with the leadership it has today. In order to do that, we have to educate ourselves about the reality of Russia, about you know the, the, the fact that they, they don't wake up every morning wanting to kill us, just like we don't wake. Most Americans don't wake up and the first time they're at is, Wow, I hope we find in a fact, way to until Russia all this today. started, Ru Russians love Americans until the last few years. They 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 want to be free. They want to be free. They want to uh, they want to be free according to Russia. They don't want to be dictated on how to be free because that's not freedom. They want to be left alone. They want to be uh, let Russia be Russia, let Russians be Russians. And the beautiful thing about it is at the end of the day, they are literally just like you and I, Alex. They wake up wanting the same things. They want you spent years over there. I've got a lot of folks that have been over there. They say Russians are, uh, describe it. They say it's like the Midwest when you go to Russia, like farmers and family. They say it's almost it's almost like America. Describe that. Well, they are just like us. They speak a different language. They have a different culture, a different history. Uh, they, they eat a little bit different food. But if you went over there right now and moved in with a Russian family, you wake up in the morning and you'd feel at home because these are people who laugh, they cry, they hug. They fight just like we do. They're, they are us. They just speak Russian. Uh, and we need to understand that, that this is about humanity learning to live together as fellow humans. And if we can do that, 
We can solve all this other nonsense, but when we refuse to acknowledge them as humans, and when they refuse to acknowledge us as humans, when we allow uh, you know, very simplistic definitions to define our attitudes, then we get into the situation where we are today because we begin to fear that. We don't understand it, so we fear it. And when we fear it, we come up with ridiculous solutions like nuclear weapons. And the truth is the globalist... The big, powerful multinational corporations don't want any country they don't run, and Russia hasn't bowed, just like China. I hate what China's doing. Xi Jinping's out of control, authoritarian, horrible, but they've broken with the globalists. The globalists thought they could run China. Why don't the globalists get it? They can't run everything. Uh, look, it's not just that we can't run everything. We can't dictate solutions. Americans would hate it if somebody was dictating to us how we should live. We'd say, that's our business. Let us sort it out. Well, that's how Russia and that's how China feels. Let them sort it out. We don't have to agree with them, but then again, it's they don't care. They want to sort it out themselves. They want to do what they the want Russians to do within always their say. borders. They say, it's, we're not involved in your politics. Leave us alone. And I look at it. The Russians aren't involved in anything. The Chinese are heavily involved as the globals invited them in. It's, it's true. The Russians are not <laughs> doing anything. There's not... I see Congressional Armed Services Committee House meetings where I work for Russians. I have nothing to do with Russians. And then they sit there and claim my freedom is a Russian-run idea, has nothing to do with that. <laughs> no, you're 100% correct. The, 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 look, <laughs> the problem is the people that don't like what you're saying, Alex, and they don't like what I'm saying, they're not able to sit down and articulate in a reasonable fashion why they don't like it. They're not willing to engage in a debate, discussion, a dialogue. So their default uh, you know, action is to say Putin did it. Russia did it. Why? Because of Russophobia. The average American knows nothing about Russia, knows nothing about Putin. They've been programmed to accept at face value anything negative said about Russia and Putin. So if they disagree with you, they disagree with me. The first thing they say is, well, you're working for Putin. Putin has influenced you. Russia has influenced you. Now, a rational thinking person would be able to say, how can that be? That can't be. But people who have fallen into the Russophobia will say, yes, okay, Alex Jones is obviously working for Vladimir Putin. Scott Ritter is a paid propagandist of the of the Russian government, and that's the easiest way to avoid engaging in a meaningful discussion. American democracy is built upon the premise of free speech, and free speech is empowered by Meanwhile, debate, dialogue, you're a and discussion about the nuclear pollution. weapons inspector trying to stop nuclear war, and you're the bad guy. Owen, you've been sitting there patiently. Well, I do want to ask Scott about the intel leak that the dust has kind of settled on but but I did want to point out you know quickly what I think the former Russian president is doing is in a way kind of this culture jamming you know Scott you asked the question how can we get Biden or how can we get Washington DC to listen to us we don't want nuclear war this is a serious situation we're all going to die if you do this but they seemingly can't hear us so what do we do well it's kind of the same thing we do with the left where they're all into genital mutilation, we try to stop it, and we realize, wait a second, okay, trying to stop it isn't working, so I'll just say what they're saying. Hey, let's chop off our kids' balls. Hey, let's let's genitally mutilate our children. That'll be great. And then people are like, wait, wait a second, you can't, you're, what are you talking about? That's not real, you're not actually doing that. No, that's actually going on right here. I feel like Russia's kind of doing the same thing. It's like, okay, you want nuclear war? Let's have nuclear war, huh? Nuclear war, we all die, yay. And so maybe then it's like, oh, wow, oh, yeah. Nuclear war, bad, that's right. We shouldn't chop off boys and girls' uh, uh, reproductive systems. Yeah, we, we shouldn't have nuclear war. It's like this weird reverse psychology that you have to engage in now just to get people to listen to you so you can feel free to comment or that. But but I really want to get your opinion on the intel leak from a couple weeks ago because the dust has kind of settled on this, but it's gone away. 
Do you think that young man got set up? Do you think he didn't even know what he was doing? And will the Biden administration use that intel leak as an off-ramp to this war that they've fully committed to but done nothing but lost? What's their off-ramp? They don't have one. Do you think maybe that'll kind of be... Yeah, what's the, what's the point to all this? Well, you know, we don't know yet. I mean, the, the problem is, you know, we, we aren't... We, we don't have all of the information that's available. Therefore, we're, you know, we start to speculate. Um, you know, on, on, the, on the one hand, we know from the case of Bradley Manning that it is possible for a 21-year-old junior enlisted person with access to classified information to, uh, to send that information out to, uh, to, to people who aren't authorized to uh, have it. In, the, in, that, in that case, it was WikiLeaks. So in theory, it's possible that this 21-year-old airman out of uh, Massachusetts uh, gained access to information and uh, published it through his gamer network, uh, etc. That, that's possible. Um, but the fact that he did it for as long as he did it without being caught either says that the system has totally broken down or that somebody was allowing this to happen. And so we need to know more information before we can make that uh, that determination. The one thing we know about the the government is they not they are not in the business of uh, keeping the American people informed. They like to keep us ignorant. They like to be in charge of the narrative and it the way they want. And right now we have a situation where the Biden administration uh, is desperate for an off ramp. And whether they intended these leaks to provide an off ramp or not, the fact of the matter is um, it's been exposed that the Biden administration has been lying to Congress and the American people about the capabilities of the Ukrainian well, yeah, military. I was about to say, I think it's what Ray McGovern said. Some of the analysts say, no, this was a leak uh, to to put disinfo out. But Ray McGovern was saying, uh, he's a very respected former CIA presidential advisor, as you know, you're good friends with him. He's been on the show many times, is that the intel community used this leak and manipulated this guy to try to stop the war. And, and kind of like the Pentagon Papers uh, with Daniel Ellsberg. I mean, is, is that what you're getting at? Well, that that is a possibility. I think it's too early to say conclusively. But I tell you what, that's the possibility I like. That's the one that says that there are people of moral character who... Um, who understand that we're heading down the wrong path. And it's not just about a path of Ukraine and the tragedy that's happening to Ukraine, but it's a path of what we're talking about. This war, and I hope everybody listening understands this, this war is leading us on a trajectory of inevitable nuclear conflict if we are able to successfully empower the Ukrainians to do the things that Zelensky says he wants to do. There is only one outcome. It's not Russian defeat. It's the end of the world. As the we Russians know it because the Russians only double down. So let me ask you this. The analysis of NATO escalating this, but even the NATO documents admit they're losing, even though they have more high-tech weapons, the Russians are on that border, they've got a bigger force, they're winning clearly, though it's a big cost to Russians. How do you see this unfolding if the West doesn't give up? Because they're calling it a long war, hoping it doesn't go nuclear. From your intel, how is the war going? Uh, this isn't going to be a long war. This war is going to end sooner than... Uh than, than the people in the West are talking about. I mean, Zelensky hinted to this when he said, if I don't get M1 Abrams tanks by August, it's over. And over means it's over. The war's done. Uh, the Russians have already um, taken control of the battlefield. They've suppressed the weaponry that we have provided the Ukrainians. They brought in new capabilities of their own. They're able to deliver, you know, 1,000-pound uh, bombs with precision accuracy uh, without any potential of intervention by the uh, Ukrainians. They're slaughtering the Ukrainian troops. They're slaughtering the equipment. 
Um, the Ukrainians are running out of air defense. They're running out of yeah, artillery ammunition. That. They're like, running out of men. They're running that. out of equipment. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I'm going to shut up and let you talk. But just like Stalingrad, where mo like half the war with Germany and Russia was there, militaries pick a point to have their big battles. And so it looks like these few cities, people are like, oh, the Russians aren't taking over. Well, they only want that region. Those are the battle zones. So am, am I correct to say that those are where they pour the troops in? That's where the battles are decided, and the Russians are winning those key battles. Look, the Russian goal and objective here was not to conquer Ukraine. Russia said we're here to destroy the Ukrainian military. And that's exactly what they're doing. So the Battle of Bakhmut, which is raging right now, is a battle where the Ukrainians have lost 30, 40, 50,000 dead men um, just in that battle alone. Why would Russia seek to change uh, this algorithm? They have a system right now in place where the Ukrainians are throwing manpower and equipment into a meat so grinder. So they bring, I was about to say meat grinder. Them. And they put, the Russians put prisoners up to draw them in and just kill them. Well, that's what the Russians were doing. I don't know if they're still doing that, but the, the fact of the matter is the Russians have a methodology in place today in Bakhmut that is achieving a 7 to 1, 10 to 1 kill ratio. That is for every one Russian that dies, uh, they're killing 7 to 10 Ukrainians. That's an unsustainable kill ratio for Ukraine. You can't, you can't even think about winning a battle with that kind of kill ratio. And they're now admitting, they were saying the Ukrainians were winning, they're now admitting the Ukrainians are being fed into a meat grinder. This, 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 this war will be over by the end of summer, early, early August, or early, uh, early fall. There's so, no way Ukraine can sustain this kind this so level of... So why would the CIA do this? Because I'm not even a military guy, but if the Russians choose cities to fight, I would attack other sites. Why are the Ukrainians and the CIA pouring in to fight the Russians where they want to? Well, I actually believe the CIA is trying to convince Ukrainians not to do this, that uh, that this is a political battle. Uh, you know, Zelensky has been waging a war of perception, not reality. And the perception that he has to create is that the Ukrainians are capable of winning. Therefore, he can you know, get other nations to continue providing him the support necessary to sustain this conflict. He can't be seen as losing a battle like Bakhmut after especially after putting 40, 50,000 troops you know, in the ground because of this. So Zelensky has said, I, I, I simply can't lose this fight. I'm going to, I'm doubling down. This is like, you know, somebody at the roulette table deciding that the number seven is the number. Well, that's just like the Nazis and the Russians chose Stalingrad. So would you agree Bakhmut's kind of Stalingrad? I think Bakhmut is the Stalingrad of this war or the Kursk. It's a decisive battle of this war. This is the war. This is the battle that defines this war, and I think we know what the answer is. Russia's winning this battle. Russia's going to win this war. See, I'm not a rocket scientist, but it seems to me I would not fight where the Russians wanted to fight. I don't, I don't understand this. Well, just Dick. The problem is that there's no good place to fight the Russians right now. The Ukrainians had their chance uh, back in September when they picked a part of the battlefield where Russians were ill-prepared and, uh, and poorly equipped. But Russia mobilized 300,000 uh you know, reservists, over 100 and, uh, plus thousand uh, volunteers. Uh, they now have triple layer of defense across the uh, zone of contact. They have artillery, they have aircraft. There's no good place for the Ukrainians to attack. So I believe what the Ukrainians were saying is that the Russians are committed to offensive operations in Bakhmut, that that's their best tip because Ukraine can't attack Russia right now. Russia will slaughter them if they attack anywhere else. 
their best chance was to take advantage of Russia's willingness to attack and hope that they could kill. And so Zelensky uh, just put out the pipe dream, as the CIA admitted, to attack uh, Crimea, which was just to sound powerful. One one hundred percent. He can't attack Crimea. He can't attack anywhere right now. He has. He doesn't have the military ability to do this. Will Zelensky try a false flag like firing missiles into Poland again? I don't think about Poland. What I'm concerned about is Zelensky firing missiles into Russia, trying to fly drones into Moscow during Victory Day. No, 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 that's um, what I meant. He already tried the Poland false flag. So what's the next one? The next one is, is escalation. He He's going to try and get the Russians to overreact in hopes that by Russia overreacting, uh, NATO will then make the decision to intervene. Um, and so here we are once again. Uh, creating a scenario where we are prisoners to decisions made by Vladimir Putin. This is not the way you do foreign policy. You never allow your, uh, your your goals and objectives to be defined by the actions of the other party. You have to be the one in control. And right now, the United States, and again, every American should understand this. Our future is in the hands of a Ukrainian madman named Zelensky. We've allowed him to dictate the tone, the pace uh, the, 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 the consequences of this war. This should never be allowed to happen. We should be in control of it, not him. All right, Scott, come back again soon. Thanks for the time. What's your latest book? Latest book is Disarming the Time of Perestroika, and uh, it can be, you can, you can purchase it on uh, com. I'm also in the process of making a documentary film, Waging Peace, and if anybody wants to help uh, contribute to that, it's uh, wagingpeace.fund, and uh, I would certainly appreciate any help anybody could provide. Great job, wagingpeace.fun. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. A few comments from Owen Schroyer and more. I got a lot to cover. All right, Joe Salente says take over, but he's a great guy. He's letting us have 15 minutes because I got some big Tucker Carlson intel coming up next segment here on the Alex Jones Show. Owen Schroyer, you sat there very patiently during Scott Ritter. Pretty scary stuff and dead on. Well, there's another factor, too, that I think we tend to overlook and that's mostly because this would come from the American left in the past, specifically during the Bush years. But they're all in on this war now. They're pro-war. So we're, this is it's kind of there's a void there. Let's not forget what happened after the U.S. went into Iraq and Afghanistan with Dick Cheney and others. They had contractors and development companies in there overnight getting hundreds of millions of dollars to rebuild Billions. those cities. And they even named him like Dick Cheney Road and stuff like that. I mean, they just they just flaunted it. I mean, just total, total naked war crimes. And the left used to complain. You'd have Democrats and you'd have liberal media say, look at how corrupt this is. They destroyed Afghanistan. They destroyed Iraq. Then they sent their guys in there to make hundreds of millions of dollars off no bid contracts. Those were considered war crimes back in the day. Well, the problem is if the West and I do think this exists if the West elites think that they can go in after Ukraine is destroyed, because you were asking, well, why would the why would the why would they be sending Ukraine into Bakhmut and Kharkiv? Well, they want a Marshall areas. plan to steal hundreds of billions. Bingo. Here's the problem, Alex. All all these Western elites that have never been checked. I mean, that's really what this is. Is Putin is finally checking the Western elites, and they're pissed. I mean, that's really what this comes down to. And so they're having a standoff in Ukraine, and we hope that's where this ends. But here's what's going to happen, and I think this is going to be the next story if this war does end in August or whatever, 
You're going to have so much of eastern Ukraine that is just completely destroyed. This is not being accurately, accurately reported in the American media, but you have cities in Ukraine that have been just completely annihilated and completely destroyed. It's not going to be the Western contractors going in there building it up for billions of dollars. It's not going to be BlackRock going in there buying up property for pennies on the dollar and, and renovating it. It's going to be the Russian oligarchs. They're going to be the ones that are going to go in there. They're going to be the ones that are going to take the property, and they're going to be the ones that read development making hundreds of billions of dollars i think that's going to be the next thing where the that's going to piss off the western elites eh, losing a war they've done that before but losing that profit margin after the war they're going to be pissed about that well we now know more and more about what's happening with Tucker carlson there's a ben warren story on infowars.com watch Tucker carlson's latest speech before fox uh, exit raised alarm over transgenderism abortion human sacrifice and call for prayer. It was everything he was doing, becoming this populist hero that upset them. But they're saying it's because of the Ray Epps stuff. That's not what it was. It was the anti-war, anti-transgenderism, just everything he was doing that upset them. I've got a six-minute clip of his speech coming up next segment. Please remember, listeners, we're fighting super hard for everybody's future. I want to have a great future for my children. That makes a good future for your children. I don't just do this for you, though I care about you, but we're all in this together. We have to spread the word. And I go back to this constantly. Do you realize it's you that takes the videos from Man.Video and the live links and the articles and shares them that gets this out? We can sit here all day in the Phantom Zone and reach nobody, or you can promote stuff. The reason we reach a lot of people is you. Imagine if you get really excited about that and do it even more. So please promote the show. Go to InfoWarsTore.com, get Turbo Force, the great tower clean energy back in stock. Get the great Ultimate Krill Oil. I get 1776 testosterone boost. These are great products that you should get anyways, but it funds the info war. The only thing holding us up is a lot of the viewers have never bought a product. I think that's a show I tune into. It's a thing over there. We're not funded by big networks. We're not funded by the establishment. We're funded by you. So it's up to you. You want to keep this on air? You see Tucker getting taken off. You see... Uh, what's happened with Project Veritas and James O'Keefe, we are not controlled by board directors. We're not controlled by Rupert Murdoch. We're controlled by you. My boss in this fight is not Rupert Murdoch or not George Soros. It's you. And I'm asking you, boss, I'm fighting hard. Put me on the field, coach. I will keep kicking ass. I'm not like some player that ever played and was a loser. We've won Super Bowls against the enemy, but we need funds to do it now. Infowarstore.com or 888-253-3139. All right, the Tucker Carlson News and more in the final segment where I'm hosting live before the great Gerald Salente takes over. Then, in about 55 minutes, Owen Schroyer and the War Room, 3 p.m. Central. Broadcasting well, the they're trying to put me in prison and Tucker Carlson and Stephen Mann and they've taken and, and killed Project Veritas, but James O'Keefe's fighting stories. back. And, and now right, Tucker Carlson, the top us. news show Thank in the world, has been taken off the air by Fox News. We've got a segment of his speech, the full speech is at InfoWars.com. We'll be airing here in a moment before Gerald Salente takes over. Tucker Carlson's last speech before Fox exit raises alarm over transgenderism, abortion, human sacrifice, and a call for prayer. That's why they are so incredibly angry, because they're trying to dominate the world while it slips away from them. And while communist dictatorships they backed up, put in power, turn against them, and while Russia stands against them, while all this happens, they think, 
but we can still dominate the American people. And AOC, I played the clip three times today, said we need to ban conservatives off the air, take their speech, they're violent, even though we're against violence. Owen Troyer comments on that. Well, I hate to say this, but I'm glad this is happening. Uh, it's sad for America, obviously. It's sad for Tucker Carlson, but this is another we're not in Kansas in any more moment. And Alex, it's going to take a mountain of these moments to get the American people to wake up. Because that's the only thing that's going to stop this, unfortunately. We get very little from our Congress, if anything. Uh, even our champion, President Trump, let the globalists take our country back over. So, I mean, it's going to have to be hundreds of this, these we're not in Kansas anymore moments. Because, again, most of the Fox News audience, Alex, is still kind of complacent and they still think things are normal and they're still in America. And America. No, I agree. But, I mean, Tucker's way bigger than they even said when he's not on anymore and their stock's already plunging, this is like, whoa. But imagine how many people are going to tune in tonight that don't follow the news. They just, they'll get home from work, they'll make dinner, boop, put on Fox News thinking they're going to watch Tucker Carlson and, oh, Tucker's not there anymore. Oh, Tucker's been fired? Fired? Top-rated show? Favorite show? That's right. And tell everybody, if you're looking for Tucker Carlson and what he covers, Infowars.com, especially I meant to say today, if you're looking for the topics... He covered, if you're looking for where he's still at, we'll get him on the show. But Pete, that's a great point. They're looking for Tucker. They'll find it right here at InfoWars.com and Bandai Video. Hell, we'll even show you Don Lemon. If you're missing Don Lemon on CNN in the morning. Well, we'll don't lie. We're not showing him Don Lemon. <laughs> but even that's going to wake him up. I mean, the, the, even Don Lemon, as pathetic as he is, funny, every time he got in trouble was for telling the truth. Even Don Lemon being like, or Dan Bongino on the weekend show. I mean, it's just... This is going to have to happen, Alex. It sucks. I'm not rooting for this. It's not even a, It's not even from a place of bitterness because we had to go through all of this first. Trust me, I don't want anybody to have to go through what you've gone through. It's got to get worse before it gets better. Gerald Salente is about to take over. Owen, you're on in about 51 minutes, the war room, 3 p.m. Central. I'm back. I'm excited to be back in the driver's seat, back in the studio. You deserve a week off. Owen, recharge, ready to go, 3 p.m. Central in 50 minutes. Gerald Salente is about to take over, but first, see the full speech at Infowars.com. Here's the final speech where Tucker Carlson got fired from Fox News. Tell everybody you know, tune in now and share the link. It, it might be time to start to reassess the terms we use to, to describe what we're watching. So when I started at Heritage, the presumption was, and this is a very Anglo-American assumption, that the debates we're having are kind of rational debates about the way to get to mutually agreed upon outcomes. Right, so like we all want the country to be more prosperous and free and people to be less oppressed or whatever. And so we're gonna argue about tax rates and I think higher tax gets, gets us there. I'm like Keynesian and you disagree, you're an Austrian or whatever. But the objective is the same. And so we write our papers and they write their papers and may the best papers win. I, I, I don't think that's what we're watching now at all. I don't think we're watching a debate over how to get to the best outcome. I think that's completely wrong. And I've come to this conclusion, not, and I should say at the outset, I'm an Episcopalian, so don't take any theological advice from me, because I don't have any. <laughs> I grew up in the shallowest faith tradition that's ever been invented. It's not even a Christian religion at this point. Um, I say with shame. But I'm just saying this as an observer of what's going on. There is no way to assess, say, the transgenderist movement with that mindset. Policy papers don't account for it at all. If you have people who are saying, I have an idea, let's castrate the next generation. Let's sexually mutilate children. I'm sorry, that's not a political debate. What? There's nothing to do with politics. What's the outcome we're desiring here? An androgynous population? Is that really what we are? Are you in for that? 
I don't think anyone could like, defend that as a positive outcome. But the weight of the government and uh, you know, a lot of corporate interests are behind that. Well, what is that? Well, it's irrational. If you say, well, you know, I think abortion is always bad. Well, I think sometimes it's necessary. That's a debate I'm familiar with. But if you're telling me that abortion is a positive good, what are you saying? Well, you're arguing for child sacrifice, obviously. It's not about like, oh, a teen, you know, a teen girl gets pregnant and what do we do about that and victims of rape. I, you know, I get it. I, of course I understand that and I have compassion for everyone involved. But when the Treasury Secretary stands up and says, you know what you can do to help the economy get an abortion? Well, that's like an Aztec principle, actually. There's not a society in history that didn't practice human sacrifice. Not one. I checked. Even the Scandinavians, I'm ashamed to say, it wasn't just the Mesoamericans, it was everybody. So, like, that's what that is. Well, what's the point of child sacrifice? Well, there's no policy goal entwined with that. No, that's a theological phenomenon. And that's kind of the point I'm making. None of this makes sense in conventional political terms. When people or crowds of people, or the largest crowd of people at all, which is the federal government, the largest human organization in human history, decide that the goal is to destroy things, destruction for its own sake, hey, let's tear it down. What you're watching is not a political movement, it's evil. So if you want to assess, and I'll put it in non, and I'll stop with this, I'll put it in non, I'll put it in non-political, uh, or non, rather non-specific theological terms, and just say, if you want to know what's evil and what's good, what are the characteristics of those? And by the way, you know, I, I think the Athenians would have agreed with this. This is not necessarily just a Christian notion. This is kind of a, I would say, widely agreed upon understanding of good and evil. What are its products? What do these two conditions produce? Well, I mean, good is characterized by order, calmness, tranquility, peace, whatever you want to call it, lack of conflict, cleanliness. Cleanliness is next to godliness. It's true, it is. And evil is characterized by their opposites. Violence, hate, disorder, division, disorganization, and filth. So if you are all in on the things that produce the latter basket of outcomes, what you're really advocating for is evil. That's just true. I'm not calling for religious war, far from it. I'm merely calling for an acknowledgement of what we're watching, which is not one, and I'm not, certainly not backing the Republican Party. I mean, ugh. I'm not making a partisan point at all. I'm, I'm just noting what's super obvious. Like those of us who are in our mid-50s are caught in the past in the way that we think about this. One side's like, no, no, you know, I've got this idea and we've got this idea and let's have a debate about our ideas. They don't want a debate. Those ideas won't produce outcomes that any rational person would want under any circumstances. Those are manifestations of some larger force acting upon us. It's just so obvious. It's completely obvious. And I think two things. One, we should say that and stop engaging in these totally fraudulent debates 
where we are using the terms that we used in 1991 when I started at Heritage as if maybe, you know, I could just win the debate if I marshaled more facts. I've tried that, doesn't work. And two, maybe we should all take just like 10 minutes a day to say a prayer about it. I'm serious, like why not? And I'm saying that to you, not as some kind of evangelist, I'm literally saying that to you as an Episcopalian. The Samaritans of our time. I'm coming to you from the most humble and lowly theological position you can. I'm literally an Episcopalian, okay? And even I have concluded it might be worth taking just 10 minutes out of your busy schedule to say a prayer for the future, and I hope you will.